This is episode 18 of Strength Agenda Radio, and today we bring you the gym gypsy, Justin Metz, owner of Live and Let Live, a former weightlifter, gym owner, and now a physique competitor in the sport of bodybuilding. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. I've been holding on to today's question for this episode because as soon as I got it, I knew exactly what my thoughts were on the topic and where we needed to go with it. So today's question actually comes from our intern at the Strength Agenda, Christian. When he first started with us, he flat out asked me, I want to work in strength and conditioning field and I eventually want to have my own place. What are your recommendations on getting to that point? Now allow me a minute to reminisce a little bit before we get to answering this question. Back when I was in college, I knew I wanted to own my own gym. I had experienced my fair share of global gyms and studios to know that that sector was not for me, not even remotely close to what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, near where I went to school, there was, you know, and probably still is a gym called Jacked Hardcore. They initially were a powerlifting gym, but then they added a strongman room and eventually added boxing classes, boot camp stuff, etc. I knew the owners and went over there from time to time to break up the monotony of the college weight room and always thought I wanted a place just like that. But the matter of fact is, it wasn't going to work at that time. See, back in those days, if you really wanted to make any money in the fitness industry, you were either a strength coach at a college or a personal trainer working with people from six a.m. till 8 p.m. five to six days a week and then you know if on the weekends you weren't having as long as hours but you still were at least at that facility from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. again it's not one of the worst gigs in the world but they were very time consuming having a gym that catered to strongman or weightlifting like the strength agenda was not an option at that time you know what my first job out of college was I was an assistant sales manager at an LA fitness and a personal trainer at a small studio. Remember what I said I didn't want to do when I first got out of college? The options just weren't there at that time. I was working towards being a college trained and conditioning coach, but needed to make money in the meantime until that dream became a reality. Then came along the evil empire of CrossFit. I kid, I kid, I kid. But during that time, I was at Cal Strength and MDUSA and saw the landscape change drastically. Not only did CrossFit expose more people to the barbell, but specialty gyms were popping up and not only surviving, but they were actually thriving. I started out coaching weightlifting class a few times a week then helping box owners write their strength and conditioning programming. And then eventually that led me to opening up my own box. A weekend certification in my life savings and your own space was now possible. Eventually that led to me selling the CrossFit because I wanted to focus solely on the weightlifting and sports performance like I had always wanted to do. See, I thought that I needed a strength and conditioning facility that relied on CrossFit to keep the lights on, but the industry over time has changed and that simply isn't the case anymore. That brings me to my current situation. My point in that long-winded story is that I wouldn't be able to do what I am doing right now without all of those experiences. If you want to get into the self-employment part of life, and be, and my first big piece of advice is to be simple and do it all. You probably have a good idea of what you want to do, but you might be surprised that something different may tickle your fancy and pull you in a direction you weren't expecting. Try out all the sectors of the industry and see what works for you and what doesn't for you. But don't be a dick about the ones you don't like because burning bridges in this industry is a no-no. There is always something you can learn and take with you, so just be observant, especially with the jobs you aren't a fan of. At least you'll learn what not to do from those. My second piece of advice, it's not going to be fun. 
You know, it may look all sunny and blue skies on a regular basis, but those who have truly successful businesses will tell you it's hard work and you are required to be on the front lines day in and day out. Some days you will want to quit. Some days you will want to cry. Other days you'll need to leave and just vent. It's okay if it's justified. Now, if you're just throwing a temper tantrum for the sake of it, suck it up and be an adult. But in the first year or two, there will be enough rough days. You know, there'll probably be more rough days than good, to be honest. But as long as you are laying a solid foundation and pushing the needle a little bit at a time, you'll see a light at the end of the tunnel. Leadership is not something that can be delegated off. And if you aren't willing to get your hands dirty first, how can you expect any of those who follow you to do the same? Greg Glassman had a quote that states, how clean are your bathrooms? And this quote kind of knocked me on my butt when I first read it. But what I uh, what I took from it was that, you know, every minor dirty detail has to be planned and accounted for because if your foundation has cracks, they're going to break. Now, there is a difference between OCD and organized. Um, know the difference, but if there is any aspect of your business that you have no clue on how it works, are you really in charge? My third and last piece of advice is be you. My three rules of being a gym owner are one, showing up every day, two, show the people that you work with that you care, and three, know your audience. Don't try to be something or someone that you're not. You can follow the same principles and guidelines of those you admire or aspire to be like, but you know, put your own twist on it. Regurgitating info like a robot is lame. Experiment with ideas and training methods. It's okay to fail. Folks need to see that you are human too, but that you are invested in their well-being and in turn, they will buy in even more. I will never ask a client or an athlete to do something I haven't done or am not willing to do or try myself. So in review you know, of your search for advice on being your own boss in the fitness industry, and notice I didn't say owning a gym. Because in this day and age, there are very there are a lot of folks, you know, like Justin, that have no physical location, but they are just as successful as those with one. First of all, do it all. Build your repertoire, add to the tool belt of what works for you, and discard the rest. Learn from both things you loved and hated on your journey. Second, it's not going to be fun, but it'll be worth it in the end. Third, be you. Be authentic and not some cheap photocopy of something else that you read about. Your audience will see that right away, and it's not going to end well. Guys, please keep these questions coming as I love being able to give you some insight from my experiences and help you get better every day. Now, if you are remotely interested in pursuing a career in the fitness industry, grab a seat, slap on your headphones, and give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! All right, boys and girls, this might not come as a surprise to you, but I'm a bigger guy, and I have been for years. I remember the first time I had to take one of those medical exams to get life insurance. I scored horribly. Not because I wasn't healthy or fit, but because traditional insurance companies evaluate your health on an outdated standard called the BMI. Newsflash, that's not a great indicator of health for somebody who lifts weights or works out on a regular basis. So I've partnered up with Health IQ because I 100% believe in what they're doing. Rather than going the traditional route, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that offers exclusive rates to those that can demonstrate they know what a healthy lifestyle is and prove it through various methods like their Health IQ quiz data from your fitness apps, and other unique ways. The advantage of working with Health IQ is that their unique mortality model is based on ensuring the health conscious and that they have lower rates for health conscious people, like a good driver gets on savings with auto insurance, and unique underwriting, replacing the BMI with waist to hip ratio, cholesterol calculations, and other methods. Stop paying more than you need to, or worse, avoid getting life insurance altogether because you're afraid you won't qualify for great rates. 
56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and that can be you too. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com agenda or mention the promo code agenda when you talk to a Health IQ agent. According to studies, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes, among other benefits, like, you know, having awesome videos to post on Instagram. But Instagram views and followers won't be able to help you save money on your life insurance. So head on over to healthiq.com to learn more and get your free quote today. Welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. Today's guest is The Jim Gypsy. Uh, Justin Metz is my guest today. He has done everything from CrossFit to weightlifting to now he's bodybuilding and he's pulling all sorts of crazy deadlift weight for reps, even though he's got a broken back. And he's also a fellow wrestling fan and lover. Justin, welcome to the show. Man, that was, um, man, you said that exactly the way I typed it up for you. That was great. That's phenomenal, right? I'm good at reading the script. No, that was a great uh, that was a great interest, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. No problem. Um, for those people who don't know, one of the very first podcasts I ever did was with Justin. Um, we sat there through video. I think it was Skype. You had a WWE championship belt on your shoulder. I had the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship on my shoulder, and we sat there and we did an entire podcast for like an hour, like that. It um, seems like a lifetime ago, right? It was it was like two years ago. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was. It was over. Actually, you know what's funny is that um, I hope this doesn't jinx your thing, but no. you were actually that's the last podcast I ever did. Oh, jeez, there we go. So, <laughs> I've done it for right about now. two years, and then uh, everything just uh, switched gears, and I stopped working for that company. And um, yeah, and uh, but I love this. One of my favorite podcasts. That was like that was one of the first ones I ever did. And I thought they were all like that. And I was like, heart, I was heartbroken when I found out. I was like, I can't wear my belt. Like, you can't see me. <laughs> yeah. So. so we used to do this weird thing where, um, where we would have a podcast, but um, we would we would film it too. Yeah. Um, and we'd put it up on YouTube, and um, sometimes people would want to watch it more than others. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to actually be where you were at at that time. We really tried to travel. Yeah. Wherever yeah. our guests were, just so we could get some better content. Um, at that time, it just it just wasn't realistic. So we did a, a school a cool Skype thing. It's one of the first Skype ones that I did, and uh, yeah, it was great, dude. You just happened to have the belt on you, and I had to go get mine. So yeah, I think you took it from your kid. Like your kid was like, I did, was- I did, I stole. Actually, no, we talked about. So when I ran the gyms, oh um, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, found yeah. out we were both doing the same thing without yeah, knowing yeah. it. We were both using it as an incentive for someone to either hit a PR or to yeah. win. Um, you know, um, you know, the competition of the week, like on a Saturday, yeah. like, you know, teams would compete and they would get the belts if they win. Yeah. We did at our gym, we had the WWE championship was a PR belt. Anytime you hit a PR, took a picture with the belt and we had this bulletin board at the gym and it was just full of everybody in their PRs. And it was actually pretty cool after, you know, about a year of doing it. And then we had the tag team titles. And every once in a while on a Saturday, we do a, a partner workout. And the team with the top score for the partner workout, at the end of the day, we take a picture, like from each class, we take a picture of them with the tag team titles. And they were, they got to like hold on to the titles until the next time we did a, uh, a partner workout and stuff like that. And it was just cool stuff that, like you had said, just gives you a little bit of extra motivation to do stuff. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. We did the same thing. And, and our, some of our people, especially the females for some reason, 
they um they took it like a step further. They would like cut promos on each other like throughout the week. Like, oh, that's awesome! It, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, now we do. We have the United States title at because I I sold that gym and I have another one now, and um we have a traveling belt. So every year we do training camp, and at the end of training camp we do some sort of a competition, and whoever wins the competition gets the belt. It's not necessarily lifting related. Um, the first time we did it was um, we had a, a squat challenge uh, based off body weight, and That's one awesome. of my gr- yeah one of my girls won it, and then this year we did axe throwing. We literally went to a, uh, an axe throwing facility, did an entire bracket, and one of my guys, one of my uh, my newer guys, ended up winning the whole tournament. So he's got the belt now with him in Iowa. And now I'm trying to figure out that what makes we're me want to like attend. That makes me want to attend one of your training camps. There, just there you go. Like, Five for the belt. There you go. Come on out. We'll let you know. They're always in November. The weather's not great, but uh, there's a lot of lifters here doing some things. So, for those who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of background on yourself. You know, what what did you do high school? You know, sport wise, competition wise, through college up until you know the point you're at now in your life. Oh, I was a horrible, horrible athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I played every sport. wasn't good at any of them. No team sports. Um, all through high school and then leading into college. Um, the only thing that I, the first thing that I found that I was any good at was um, MMA. Uh, so that was kind of the first thing that I was really serious about and trained for. I had a very short um, MMA career. I guess you'll call it a career. I was like three or four fights or something like that. Basically, it was just a bunch of dudes that didn't know what they were doing that went to a, um, a dojo or whatever you would call it at that time. And uh, we worked out for free because the guy that owned it would um, put on fights and we would fight for free for him. <laughs> so us, nice. the door that he made or, you know, however much money he made on the door in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, like on Beale Street and the clubs and stuff like that, that would more than pay for our membership. So um, this was like 2000, 2001. So uh, UFC still wasn't even really... I mean, it was there, it was big, but nobody was making money on the independent scene fighting or anything like that. So that was the first thing that I found out that I was any good at at all. Um, beating people I, up. I do what? I said beating people up. <laughs> no, not, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so I, I wasn't any good in the grand scheme to things. Back then, just there wasn't a whole lot of people that knew how to do it. I've recently tried to go back in and, and learn how to roll and do some jujitsu stuff with geese because we never use geese. And I've got some friends that are extremely high-level competitors, like UFC range. Um, actually, one of them, like the top three um, in his division in, or in the world for UFC, and I would go over there and roll with those guys. And even the new people, I'm like, get my butt kicked. So it's it's not <laughs> – it's funny how far the sports come. Um but then um, I just kind of did the whole bodybuilding bro thing or whatever. Um, I got into Olympic lifting and CrossFit um, around 2006. So I'm like one of the old CrossFit guys, yeah. I guess, both by my age and also by um, just started it um, way, way before it was super popular and um, was just kind of doing it um, in my garage and at a local gym, like doing like Fran on like, you know, the squat rack pull up bars and like you know, like 90 pound curl bars. Yeah. Um, or like take like a 95 pound easy curl bar and, and do thrusters with that. Uh, and then a, a gym opened up and, uh, it was just a bunch of badasses. Can I say badasses? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, 
it was just a bunch of badasses, a bunch of firefighters and SWATs, uh, and it was just an empty space, and we just threw down every day, and I fell in love with it, and um, um, decided to eventually move down and open my own gym up down in Alabama, um, qualified for regionals um, the first year that they had the open, um, had some issues with my housing and stuff like that, kind of turned me off to the whole, um, I won't go into it, but just living in a different area, living in a different region than you're competing in and all this other kind of stuff. So kind of turned to Olympic weightlifting and, um, got a chance to train under like John coffee and travel around and train under like a bunch of different, really awesome coaches. There was a decent weightlifter best, uh, numbers are 140, 170 kilos. Um, never put those two numbers together in a total. What was your weight class? Uh, I, when I competed, it was 94. Oh, that's, that's not bad at all, dude. It was okay back then. It's not anymore. Again, it's no. funny how sports uh, progress. Yeah. And then went into powerlifting for a little bit, nothing serious. And then I found out uh, about 2014 um, that I had been competing uh, with a broken back for um, just about ever since I was when I stopped fighting um, MMA which yeah. was like 2001, 2002. So gosh, so I've been doing it for, I competed kind of like 10 years and doing all those things with a broken back. I just kind of always thought, you know, if you weightlift, your back's going to hurt, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what was it? Ivan Avajay have had that. It's a little yeah. bit abrasive, the comment, but like if you're gay, your butt would hurt. So yeah, know, exactly. Weightlift, your back's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I found out it's, so it's parts fracture. It's six and a half millimeters separated on my L5 S1 um, kind of got discouraged. Um, you know, my, my buddy was a doctor, chiropractor and all that kind of stuff told me not to stop lifting, but I couldn't lift maximal anymore, which kind of defeated the purpose. And, huh. um, so I went to a pretty dark area. Um, if I'm being honest, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty dark period of my life in like all situations. And then, yeah, I uh, uh, I found physique and, um, started to kind of turn everything around and really fell in love with that because I can compete in it at a pretty high level. Um, even with a broken back. So yeah, you, you've done two shows now, right? Um, well, I guess we've done multiple shows. So I've qualified, I've done two national qualifier shows and qualified for the that's national championships yeah. twice. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you've been, that's kind of, I mean, I, we didn't really start talking until you were kind of at the tail end of like the weightlifting, powerlifting stuff. And then, you know, when I, we started talking, you were transitioning kind of out of gym ownership into, you know, the physique stuff and all that. So it's been really cool as of late to see you kind of transform your body entirely, like your transformation uh, posts that you make are really cool and stuff like that. Just seeing, you know, the level you've been able to push your body to now. But, um, so talk a little bit about the, 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 the business side, like you, you, you were owning a gym. Um, you were working for a garage uh, athlete, I believe, for a while there, and now you're kind of doing something a little unique. I'll let you talk about that. Man, um, so I, uh, yeah, we're just gypsies now. <laughs> it's the easiest way to say it. That's why I call myself the gym gypsy. We really, truly are that. But um, yeah, I started running gyms. I started training people out of my garage in Memphis, and then I, I started my own gym um, well, I, I started a gym with someone that had already had a gym that was going, kind of partnered with them down in Alabama. We're doing pretty good. It's just a CrossFit gym. And then I got an opportunity to come up and work for um, a lot of people probably familiar with the Garage Games. Um, and at the time, it was the largest CrossFit competition series in the world. 
um, at least by how many events that they had and by how many competitors that were at their events. Um, obviously, the CrossFit Games are the, are the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so they had a gym, and um, I was uh, – it, it seemed like a no-brainer. So I kind of left where I was at down Alabama, came up to Atlanta, um, and lived in Atlanta and ran their gyms for about five years. Um, when that went south um, – so during that time is when I did Garage Athletes. So Garage Athletes, yeah. that's a podcast and all that kind of stuff. Got some really awesome stuff. Um, yeah. Just had a blast doing that, man. Got to travel the country, interview just – super cool people. Um, and you know, when all that was kind of done, um, I just kind of backed off, um, from doing all of that stuff, partially for legal reasons, didn't want to use the name and all that kind of stuff, uh, since it was the same as the garage and all that. But, um, yeah, so I just started kind of going a different direction with my company. Um, I switched from, um, focusing mainly on, on programming um, for people because like everybody and their grandmother has a program for sale now. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to call it humble, but I'm, I'm intelligent enough to understand that, you know, who am I in the grand scheme of things as a weightlifting coach? If, if you can get coaching from like Dave Spitz or something like that for like $15 a month, Yeah. it just wasn't a viable option to make money. So we decided to tweak it. And honestly, by accident, since I've been doing nutrition for athletes and my athletes and myself across pretty much every single type of training, you know, yeah. like you said, like MMA, um, fighters, uh, you know, weightlifters, powerlifters, and, and then even physique, um, as I had gotten into that. So <laughs> with, when everybody's doing macros and flexible dieting and all that kind of stuff, everybody kind of stopped doing the whole um, full meal plan thing. Um, and what I found is like, there's a lot of people that don't want, uh, macros or it doesn't work well with them. There's a certain personality type that you have to have to have that work. A lot of people aren't willing to do the Tetris um, game every single day. So we really just kind of decide, you know, Hey, what's the most efficient way that I can get somebody to their goals. That's if I control everything that goes in their mouth. Yeah. Um, so why not do that? Um, and for some reason, people saw, even though it's, it's nothing new, people yeah, are right. writing meal plans for people, you know, for decades. I think because uh, flexible dieting had gotten such buzzword and paleo and all those other things from the advent of CrossFit, people almost saw it as something new. So then it just kind of took off. Um, you know, the results were obviously there because, like I said, I mean, it's it's 100% control over someone's diet. You're never going to be able to be as dialed in um, at 85% as you, as you can be at 100%. Yeah, right. So, I mean, and that was the one thing I think you and I talked about numerous times. You were going back to your, you know, being realistic, being humble. Like, there's no brand new ideas out there. Um, none whatsoever. Most of the stuff that is out there or that is coming back to the fore, it goes in cycles. Like it is regurgitated information with like a new twist for this day and age. And for you to recognize that, recognize what your strengths were. Um, I think that's huge. And that's obviously working for you and you're seeing results with the athletes you're working for. So kudos for you for noticing the trend, knowing your place in the trend and kind of, you know, forging your own way with it. Yeah, it's funny, like, um, you know, as being in, they're two completely different worlds, the physique world, um, you know, meal plans and things like that, and oh, then God. the strength world. Um, 
and that's kind of where the whole idea for my company came from. If we're being honest, not to sound like yeah. a sales pitch, but no. you know, the whole lift and let live is, is the fact that I've done all of those things and yeah. I don't see why all of them can't be symbiotic and, and why they can't all kind of work together. But if you're a weightlifter, most, if you're an elite weightlifter, you're probably going to look down on or make fun of a CrossFitter. Or if you're an elite CrossFitter, you're probably going to look down on gym bros that are doing curls. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of that paradigm is shifting a little bit, yep. but it's still there. Yeah. Um, so my approach was to, can I, can I create a community of people that are into weightlifting, people that are into bodybuilding or physique or figure or powerlifting or crossfitting or, or fighting or, or just soccer moms that just want to go in the gym and just, and, and get their pre baby body weight down. Like, can I create a community of all those people and have them kind of exist like in one sphere and, and doing it like without sounding like a hippie lovingly. And yeah, right. that's kind of what I, I did it upon. And, um, I, you know, I humbly say, I think, I think it's working well. You know what I mean? It, it's I, allowed I us to kind of, I don't have to worry about being in gyms anymore. I'm not, uh, you know, we've kind of created a niche and, um, and people are, seem to be attracted to it. So, so let's talk about how you've been able to build on that niche. We were talking about social media and stuff like that earlier before we started recording. Like how has social media allowed you to do what you're doing? Like, I mean, I, I, I like I was asking, I was like, are you down in Florida? And you're like, no, I'm in Myrtle beach. And then you're like, I have my, some of my stuff that's in Atlanta, but then like you'll post from Clearwater, like you go all over the place and you're able to, because of stuff like social media, allowing you to, you know, do what you're doing. So, so, so what have you been able to utilize? What have you been able to take advantage of that has allowed you to do these things you're doing now with your business? Um, I mean, social media is definitely a huge help for sure. I like to think that like, I think what I told you when you asked me was like, if you want to like talk about a social media, like fitness guru, I'm probably not your guy because yeah. on the grand scheme of things, I think I have like 14,000 followers on Instagram and you know, I'm not even maxed out on Facebook and I don't even really do Twitter. Um, I've got a YouTube channel and maybe a couple thousand subscribers on that. So it helps, but um, I'm definitely not this like, insta sensation um that a lot of these people have those type of people they definitely have a huge reach and and you know if you have that you can kind of do whatever you want to you can sell hats that that have like a you know like a stupid smiley face on it you know if you got a million followers you're going to make a lot of money um you know um what i've tried to do is i've tried to like you said i've tried to leverage what little status i have in social media to the maximum. Um, and it's helped, but if I'm being honest, the vast majority of my growth has been, and this, when I say it, it does, it sounds like it's like I'm bragging, but like, it's been like through from results and like, you know, I had one or two people that had great results and were super happy with what I did with them. And they contacted 10 people and I got, you know, 10 more people from that because it was something different. And then, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a, a something that's definitely helped, but I wouldn't say that, um, it's been the only reason. Now, if we want to pull back a little bit, I mean, the internet is what really helps, you know, or is what really allows us to do these things, right? Like yeah. 20 years ago, there was no such thing as working from home unless you were a farmer. No. Um, you know, it was, it was just, it just wasn't a thing. And now with remote access and things like that, 
there's more and more people in 2018 that that no matter what you do, and I actually I'm about to put a video up on this on my channel, shameless plug, um, no. in a couple days. Plug there's away. um there's nothing, there's no job out there that you, that whatever it is that you do, you can probably find some way to do something similar to it online. So that's what that's what we did. We were like, okay, well, I don't really want to be stuck at a gym, you know, five hours a day, um, coaching people. Um, I, I like to think I'm a pretty good weightlifting coach. I like to think I'm a, a good CrossFit coach, a good, you know, just trainer in general. I've been doing it for decades. Um, but I'm not going to light the world on fire doing that. So, like I said, what I've been able to do is, is just take what little bit I have and, and kind of run with it. So it's not quite as sexy as maybe it's like, this may sound like, yeah, I got all these followers and now I'm a millionaire or whatever, but we were able to leverage what little bit we have, sell everything we own, um, go down to a very minimalistic lifestyle and, the way we explain it is, is we just sacrifice experiences for anonymities. Yeah. So you, you, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, what I was talking about mentioning your son and all that, like you have two boys now, you have a wife and all that, like talk about that. Like how, how do you make it work? Like, like I said, you, like you are a gypsy in every essence of the word, like a modern day gypsy. Like, how do you make it work with everything going on? You know, when I find out, well, when I finally find out, I'll have to do another podcast. With there you. you go. Well, how's it working <laughs> so far? I mean, I obviously, you know, I, I see your wife, you know, she's training, she was training for uh, USAPL nationals last year. Um, or well, no, me. no, no actually. Me. Yeah. She, she, she's way better than me. She, she's the fourth strongest 145 pound woman in the world. She got fourth at worlds worlds. That's I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. I remember. Um, so, you know, she, she was, She's a highly competitive power lifter, you know, and, you know, you guys are raising your two boys and all that stuff. Like, just what are just some of the, like, ins and outs of all that nonsense? Um, she's really good at doing a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'm kind of creative. That's how it works. Um, yeah. I am – I'm a self-admitted, like, procrastinator. I, I like to think I have a lot of great ideas, and um, – but she but she makes them work. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the way that she's put up – are the system that we work through for my clients and even the seminars we're traveling around and doing seminars and nutrition challenges that are like a streamlined version of our um, normal meal plan client stuff. Like the way she streamlined that workflow is something that I could have never accomplished. And I wouldn't be able to do the a tenth of the amount of work that I do if I would have just had to try and do it the way I had been doing it for, you know, seven years prior. That's awesome. Um, so that, that lightens my workload significantly. Um, she is just, just a, a workhorse in the, like in the fact that I won't say she never gets tired. She's always tired, but it's because she's always working so hard. She currently, um, she still works for, um, Barbell Shrug. She was her first employee. Um, and she still does, you know, all the books for them. Um, and, um, and on top of that, she works for a couple other companies too. She's really just kind of a mercenary for bookkeeping if we're being honest. Nice. Um, she homeschools our oldest. Um, I, I help where I can, but, um, you know, I'm like the PE teacher <laughs> more than anything else. Nice. She's everything else, you know. Um, I'm the one that, you know, goes out there and shows them how to throw a football or, or plays in the sand with them or something like that. Um, she does all the hard stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how we make it work. Like I said, we fortunately, we, we, uh, we tolerate each other very well. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, as we're traveling around, we don't really stay in big places. We stay in Airbnbs. Um, they are, um, they're all furnished, which is nice. And, you know, she's really, because she did it for so long with Barbell Shrugged at booking places, she finds ways to find places in really nice areas for us that's actually cheaper than it would be if we were to, like, stay in an apartment in, like, Midtown, you know, like, Atlanta or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Because of all the utilities being added in and the furniture and not having to go to Goodwill and buying a couch every time we move and all that kind of stuff. We just kind of, you know, pack up our suitcase and go. go. Um, and we just, whatever we have, we, we get, you know, like the place we're staying at right now, the beds suck, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, it's a small price to pay, um, you know, for for being able to kind of roam about as you please. And as far as like my son... Um, my son's here next to me. I told him he's not allowed to talk. Um, but you can say hi. Yell hi, Connor. Hi. <laughs> he's, What's up, dude? He's over there playing his little handheld video game. You know, he's he's just an awesome kid. Yeah. Super respectful and taking the the traveling really good. And we've tried to we tried to really focus on trying to find balance, especially this year. Again, that's kind of like the whole idea behind like the moniker of the company is is like making sure that you're training hard and making sure that you're doing all the right things that you need to do, but also making sure that you aren't obsessed with that. Yeah. You know absolutely. I mean? Um, so, you know, like tonight when we get done with here, we're going to take a shower and we do field trip Friday and field trip Friday just basically means we go do something fun for him. Try to record as much stuff as we can. Um, which oddly enough makes me want to do more stuff. Cause like, well, we're going to record it. So there's a purpose behind it. So maybe yeah. I'm, I'm going to do more stuff with him than I normally would as a father. That may sound bad, but it's just, it's just being honest because, you know, five, 10 years from now we'll have, we have all those memories. Videos. Yeah. It's better than a, than a photo album. Right. Yeah. Right. So for anybody that is interested in this gym gypsy life that you guys have built up for yourself, what are a couple things you would warn people about? Like if, if somebody, if somebody were to come to you, you know, two, three years ago before you started doing this and just give you a couple things not to do or to that to improve upon? Like what would, what would that be advice be from you to somebody else? Before you do it, make sure that you're okay with giving things up. Um, like I don't, the, the way I explain it to people when I'm talking about it is, is a, like when I explain it to people, first of all, their initial response is like, Oh, you're living the life. You're living the dream. And, but then when I kind of get into all the sacrifices that we made to do it, you're like, okay, well, you know, give and take. And that's where I, yeah. I come up with the, you know, trading experiences for anemones or whatever. Um, we don't really own stuff. Um, you know, we, um, you know, we have like maybe one or two pieces of furniture that my mother liked that we kept at her house. Um, you know, all my electronics and stuff minus like a PlayStation for them. I just gave to my parents or we sold. Mm hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people are, are tied to their material things so much that it it's never they're never going to be able to let go of it to um, be able to experience a life. So like yeah. that, what is that old saying? Like we 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 have jobs we hate to afford things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Yes, yes. Like that was very much so the life I was living for most of my life, just trying to make as much money as I could. Yeah, um, and it wasn't until. Um, I was forced to kind of lose all of that. Like I didn't do it myself. I kind of lost all of it anyways, 
then I realized like, well, what do I have to lose now? You yeah. know? So if, if, yeah, any advice, it would just be, don't be scared to jump off the bed and that it's worth it. Yeah. Right. Cause like I said, in this day and age, I mean, I don't think there's really a whole lot that you can't like, not, there's not very many industries that you can't do online. No. Right. I don't so, so you have to, you have to create a budget, know how much money it's going to take for you to do this ahead of time, do some planning logistically, um, and then find a way to make that much money and then just not be scared to do it. Yeah. Um, the, the fear is, I heard somebody say one time, like the fear of like jumping out of a plane goes away as soon as you jump. Right. But you're, you're super scared of that right before you jump. And like, and that, that was us. But fortunately, it sounds silly, but fortunately I lost everything and I didn't really have a whole lot to gain. Um, and, and we've been able to, to build everything, our, our marriage back up, um, our finances back up, um, all while being on the road. That's awesome. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, absolutely. I, I love your quote about jumping out of bed. Um, because I got asked in an earlier podcast, like just one simple piece of advice to live your best life each and every day. And I was like, just get out of bed. Like just plain yeah. and simple. Just start your day. Just get out of bed. Don't hit snooze. Flip your feet over, put them on the floor, get up and get going with it. And so I absolutely love that, you know, this wasn't rehearsed contrary to our initial intro for you. Um, that, but you know, <laughs> that wasn't rehearsed. So it was really cool to hear somebody else, you know, just use that as their, you know, giddy up, you know, in terms of this now going to the upper, uh, the other side of it, what are some things that you would tell somebody to advocate for this lifestyle? Like, cause this intrigues me to no end because, um, I'm never going to say never to anything, but I am very happy with how, you know, I, I, my wife and I are growing our business, but my, my wife and I, we love to travel. We're getting to that point where we just want to start traveling more. And I'm not going to say this is how we're going to do it, but it's just very intriguing. So, you know, you're the salesperson now on this end. Like, what are some things you would tell people that would advocate for this type of a lifestyle? And it doesn't have to be just the traveling and all that stuff, just all encompassing. Like, what are some benefits that you have, you know, seen from the way you guys are doing things now? Somebody, somebody posted on Facebook the other day, um, a friend of mine from that lives in Memphis and um, known this girl for a long time. And I didn't realize that she, she'd gotten into fitness too. And she has kind of like a training and kind of like almost like more of a, like a life coaching type of company. Yeah. And yeah. she had posted a question and I don't know exactly what it said, but it was basically to the effect of what is something about life that you are absolutely loving right now? Um, and, and my immediate thought, like the first word that came to my head is just freedom and not like, not the BS freedom that they talk about in political campaigns and like, you know what I mean? Like bald eagles and American flags. Yeah. I mean, like actual freedom to get up when you want to get up, um, go where you want to go, do what you want to do, and be who you want to be. And I don't really think there's anybody that could honestly say that that's not what they want. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know that there there doesn't need to be a sales pitch. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's, it's more of like when somebody hears it, like, that's awesome. I would love to do that. But, and this is the, but, so then we yeah. go back to like your last question. So they're like, I just couldn't do it, you know, or like, there's like, well, I got kids. Like, well, so do I. Connor loves it. 
Yeah. You know, we lived in we lived in Daytona Beach all summer. He got to live on the beach. His hair got blonde. It was dark when we moved there. It was blonde when we left. He loves it. Um, you know, we're not going to do this forever. Um, you know, we don't want him to live the the military lifestyle to where, you know, when he's 13, he still doesn't have any friends. Yeah, right. But right now he's six years old. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody, maybe one person that I'm still friends with that I was friends with when I was six years old. Um, no. You don't really start making those lasting relationships. As a rule, there's always exceptions, yeah. you know, until you're maybe nine, 10, even 11 years old. Yeah. Um. So there's really no reason not to do it. I, I don't think, unless you just don't like having the freedom to do what you want to do. Right. Well, so what's next for you then? Like, where do you see, you know, yourself going? You know, both, I want, well, let's first, let's talk about, you know, the physique stuff. Like, what are your plans for the future in terms of your physique and your competitions and your trading and stuff along those lines? Like, I know you're doing, um, you're doing a push-pull meet, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking an off-season. Um, I competed a lot. Um, last year and the dieting and the prepping for shows is it's not healthy. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, it's, it's, you know, you look healthy on stage. You're the least healthy you've ever been. I would say you were ridiculously lean in some of your photos. Yeah. It's, it's just not, um, it's not healthy. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the dieting and water cutting and all that other crap, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm taking some time off because what the judge is basically, I want to go for my pro card. I want to try and get my pro card. Um, and you know, the coaches that I've talked to that, you know, know more about it than I do. And the, and the judges, I'm fortunate to have some friends that are judges and NPC and, um, they've gave me some awesome feedback and I just need to, I need to get my back a little bit thicker, um, because I hadn't been training it super hard because it's broken. Yeah. Um, it's not an excuse. It's just the reason why I haven't been doing it. Um, and then get my chest, um, thicker. Um, I, you know, being, you know, very well being an Olympic lifter and a CrossFitter bench press is not, you know, someone would ask me, what do you bench press or, you know, or how much do you bench? And I would say once every six months. Yeah. Right. So that's definitely something that, um, I have to focus on. So I figured the best way to do that, to have kind of a functional off season is just to do, um, a push pull meet. Um, I'm not doing squatting just because, um, squatting maximally is the only thing that really, really messes with my back. I I still squat, you know, but I'm not going to squat much more over 400 pounds just because when I do, I lose feeling my legs. I can't walk for a couple of weeks. So that's that's not a good thing usually. Yeah. So I just try to keep it in like lower, lower volume and lower weight. Um, and honestly, right now I started low barring, which I've never, I never did. Um, just to help because it feels better, oddly yeah. enough, because my, my break is anterior. It's not posterior. And um, and just to help my pull. Yeah. So, now what so about, that's, that's it. Now, what about stuff like a, a, a belt squat? Um, would you be able to do something like that? Or is it because of where the break is? Like you said, it was anterior. Does any sort of squatting stress on the hips of any kind, does that just kind of mess with your, you know, you're not being able to walk, as you were saying, you know, for a couple of days afterwards? squat belt squats are are absolutely heaven and and i wish maybe maybe the only downside to doing what we do is that um there's not always a gym that's fully equipped for everything that we want typically when we go somewhere we have like six different gym memberships because i need elise needs a place to with a competition bench and i need a place with 
you know, a stair mill and, you know, we need a place that, you know, that we can have a sauna and like, you know, like there's, so we end up getting all these different gym memberships. That's maybe the only downside. So it's very rare that I find a place that has a belt squat machine, but you bet your butt I'll be on there all the time. Awesome. Um, if, if I have one for sure, because it is where the L5 S1 is, as you probably know exactly yeah. where that's at, where the belt squat, um, cinches in at it's right below that so it yeah, affects that's what it. i was trying to think like i didn't know if the because you were saying because well as soon as you mentioned that the brake was anterior i didn't know if that kind of changed things a little bit in terms of like the pressure that you get from the machine so that's why i was asking yeah so we think it happened from hyperextension from like taking a bad fall um when i was thrown by fighting yeah so like high bar squats front squats anything where i have the potential of overcorrecting and hyperextending yep and when there's compression directly on that anterior portion of the L5-S1, that's when I get that nerve pain um, shoot down my legs and my arms and all or whatever. Um, so like I said, low bar, ironically enough, um, because I'm kind of cantered over a little bit, is a lot easier on it. And a belt squat specifically um, is there's zero pressure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I I would be able to do that, you know, great but unfortunately there's, there's just a handful of gyms that have them you yeah know, travis no, mash has got one over at his place yeah. in north carolina um there's, bell i know has oh, one there's the, a gym down in daytona that i was at that had just got one in yeah um as i was leaving so i'll send, see I'll more and more of them i'll send you some videos on how to jimmy rig some stuff with the bands but outside of the reverse hyper because i've always constantly had you know i will i have hip issues now but like lower back issues stuff like that like i am the, the biggest advocate for a reverse hyper i think it's one of the best pieces of equipment um i've been on a, a belt squat machine only a handful of times but i'm actually starting to think that that is going to be probably the most beneficial piece of equipment just because of all the different stuff you can do with the machine and just like the 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 unloading it does on the spine like i mean obviously both machines are not cheap reverse hyper is a little bit cheaper and i even had one of my lifters make one for like under 200 bucks but belt squats way more expensive but if you're a gym owner listening to this um and you have especially athletes with you know back hip you know issues stuff like that I definitely recommend looking into trying to get some form of a reverse hyper or a belt squat. I think those are just two pieces of equipment that um, can just do do wonders for lower body strength and training around injuries and stuff like that. So like in sports, you know, the only, obviously the only thing that, that we're really concerned about is, is how much force can we apply into the ground, yep. right? And with the exception of a belt squat, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. with the exception of a belt squat, there's really no way that we can load with with the heavy weight even maximally without compressing the spine in some way. Yeah. Um, so I mean, not leg press, but even with that, um, you know, the sacrum rounding if your hips come up and stuff like yep. that. I've seen herniations with that. Um, you know, you know, leg extensions, leg curls. Those things don't do anything. Anytime that you have something in your, you know. Uh, you know, safety squats, whatever it is, like it is loaded, it is compressed. Yeah. So we never have compression on our spine when we're when we're reacting to something in sport, unless it's an actual impact, like in football or rugby. Yeah. So yeah. to me, it's probably has the best crossover, and also is um has the least amount of of wear and tear on your body. Right? Yeah. The only other thing I could even remotely think of is, uh, do you remember the the Vertimax? 
uh, setups. Um, they're like the platforms with the different tension bands or whatever that you hook up to a belt. Like that's the yeah. only, that's the only thing I think remotely comes close. And those things, in my opinion, are just as expensive as uh, oh well they belts. well yeah they are and 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 let's see essentially what are they they're a banded belt squat yeah right? pretty much yeah so it's just that as you were thinking about that I was trying to go through different exercises that I've done and stuff like that and those are the only two I could think of sorry I didn't mean to go off on that tangent but you were just start talking about you know your injury and stuff like that and I was just offering my two cents on things to help you get your legs even beefier than they already are so (laughs) well my legs my legs i have very long femurs so i'm i'm definitely not made to be uh anything athletic i don't think other than maybe like a long jumper um (laughs) but it didn't help me in olympic lifting it definitely doesn't help me in bodybuilding so my my legs will probably never look big and beefy so well you could try uh, so for those who aren't aware, what is the difference between physique and bodybuilding? Let's talk about that real quick. Well, there's a huge difference. And now there's even another category. So physique is more of the, um, if you, you see somebody on the beach and you're like, wow, they're in amazing shape. It's, yeah. it's a beach body look. Okay. They're looking more for symmetry yeah. Um, yeah. and balance and, and an athletic, realistic look. So it's almost if you look at like maybe Frank Zane from back in the old days, if anybody knows what that is. Yeah. Um, well, if they know what that is, they probably know what physique is. But um, it's it's more of that kind of classic look. Um, and you're basically judged, you know, upper body um, and stuff like that. So is, is this the it's really shorts? popular because – do what? Are you, I said, is this the one that wears the board shorts or is that the other category? Though? Yeah, it's board short. Yeah. Okay, so okay. so that's just regular men's physique. And it's become extremely popular because it's it's accessible to people. Um, it's more accessible to the normal person. Like a, a, a someone that's out of shape can look at a physique guy and be like, that's probably achievable if I work really well. Well, I was going to say, it's, pro- it's probably more viewer friendly than the mutants you see now on the bodybuilding stage that you're just like, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's kind of the case, like bodybuilding, which I love bodybuilding. That's what, yep. I mean, rest, wrestling and bodybuilding is what got me into fitness. Right. So, um, you know, but I grew up, you know, Arnold, Arnold, Lou Ferrigno, Frank Zane, Larry Scott, I didn't grow up with Larry Scott. That's before my time. But, but, yeah. you know, I, I Frank idolized those guys. And when you look at bodybuilders now and you look at at the old, you know, classic golden era guys, those guys are probably closer to physique than they are bodybuilding. Now bodybuilding is, is definitely about mass. They've lost um, – and I, I, this sounds like I'm dogging it. I still love it. Yeah, um, yeah. One, one of my favorite – Kai Green is one of my favorite bodybuilders in the world. Um, probably my favorite bodybuilder ever is is probably um, Dorian Yates, and he yeah. was like the first mass monster. Yeah, Branch, Branch Warren was – a. Back in his heyday, he was a particular favorite of mine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's multiple-time Olympian. Never never clinched it, uh, yeah. the win. But, um, but yeah, like he was just a monster. And Branch, that's another branch. And the guys like Dorian, they just train like animals, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and that's what I loved about it. So, But anyways, what I'm saying is that, you know, a lot of the guys now, when you see that, you see the it's, – it's not very realistic to people. Yeah. You know, these guys are five-foot – five or five foot six and they weigh 290 pounds on the off season over 300 for many of them yeah. on the off season um and they really only look you know they get in shape for the show or whatever but the, the size that they need to put on to appease the judges um is just in my opinion i it's it's not 
it's not what I would want to look like. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people, they just respect the work that goes into it because most people don't understand the amount of effort and the work that those people have to put in to do that. You can't decide to be a pro bodybuilder. It's the, probably the only sport that no matter how gifted you are, you can't decide to be a pro bodybuilder and in two years, like be on the Olympia stage. No. Like from starting to work out. Like you have, it takes years and years and years of constant and consistent effort and work in your diet and your training and, you know, obviously supplementation too, to achieve that look. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a very elite club. You know what I mean? I'll have to, I'll have to send you a picture. Um, back in, oh, I want to say it's like 2009, I met Phil Heath. Um, and this is when he first got on the, like the Olympia circuit, so to speak. Like he had just competed at his first Olympia. He was like fifth or sixth, got an automatic invite to the next year. And the next year he ended up winning. Um, but just the difference in his physique compared to that first year I met him to the second year was, it blew my mind. And like you would also mention how short he is. Like I thought like, like when you look at these guys in the magazines and all that stuff, like they just look like they're these behemoths. And then we I, were all standing next to each other too. So right. they all look, they're the same height. Yeah. So you just assume they're six, four. Yeah. And then I walked up to Phil Heath and I was just like, there's no way I'm like, where's the rest of you? But, like, these guys are, like, just as wide as they are tall. Like you said, that was the one thing that turned me off, so to speak, from bodybuilding was just the freakish, you know, proportions and the freakish amounts of mass these guys were putting on. I'm like, that takes years. And like you said, I respected it, but it was never something that I wanted to do myself. So I definitely have started to pay more attention, especially since you got involved in it, to the physique stuff because it's more relatable. Like I have a couple of buddies down, you know, in South Carolina that are now doing physique shows and stuff like that. And it's just it's more relatable to the general public than the bodybuilding stuff. It is. And I think, you know, the IFBB and the NPC are embracing that because they understand that, like, if, if, if they don't have people that are interested in their sport, the sport will die. Yep. Um, so while bodybuilding is still, that's, you know, that's the creme de la creme. Like that's always going to be what people go there to see because people want to see freaks, right? Like when you go to a fight, you don't want to see a, a good, you know, five rounds of people just kind of, you want to see someone get knocked out. Yeah. You want to see me get their lights cocked out. Yeah. You want to see, you want to see Vandalay Silva or you want to see McGregor go crazy on yeah. somebody. You don't want to see a calm person in a fight. You don't want to see somebody playing in the NFL that weighs 185 pounds that has like a six second 40 yard. Yeah. Right? You want to see the freaks. Yep. So yep. while it may not be what most people want to do, it's, it's definitely there. And it's, I think a lot of people want to see it, but what they've done is they're bridging the gap. They have bridged the gap with the division between those two called classic physique. And that is, that is a class where there is a, there is a weight limit based on your height. Um, and so you have different divisions in height and then, um, well, when you get to the IFBB, you don't, but in, in like MPC in the lower level, um, you, there's divisions on, you know, if, if you weigh six, one, you can't be over 225 or something yeah. like that. So, um, that kind of stops the amount of muscle that these guys can have. For sure. Um, so they look more like the Larry Scott's, the Arnold Schwarzenegger's, yeah. um, you know, the Frank Zane's, those are the body types that they're looking for. And that has become like wildly popular that's because awesome. it's more muscular than physique. Um, you know, so it's definitely something that's, it's 
not going to say it's not achievable by, you know, the mass public, but, you know, there are a lot of guys that just have naturally like good genetics and they can kind of walk on stage and win a physique show just because they're naturally gifted. Yeah. That's not going to happen with classic physique. So it's, it, it kind of bridged the gap and, um, and I love it. It's my favorite division. Um, I'm, I'm currently fanboying really hard on, um, the guy that got second and, uh, the Olympia, Chris Bumstead. Nice. Tall dude, Canadian, um, just great symmetry. And to me, like, that's the look that I think, I think the normal man would want, you know, dream. Yeah. I mean, even situation. Yeah. Even being, you know, a heavier set dude, like the physique, like you said, it's a much more attainable goal. Like the amount of, I mean, let's just call it like it is. I mean, the amount of PEDs I have to put myself through to achieve a bodybuilding physique versus, you know, a, you know, physique, uh, 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 style body or like the classic physique is just, it's not the same. So as a fan, I'm more drawn to like, I, I've actually, I didn't know about this classic physique. So I'm gonna have to check that out because I guarantee well, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a link. Yeah. Leon is a current Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Arash Rabar or Arash. Yeah. That's his name. I think, uh, Chris Bumstead, they're kind of the top three. Um, and you, you've probably heard of the internet dude, uh, Callum Von Mulger, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's that's the look, Callum cool. Mulgrew. He's yeah, he if, was in if, the he was in the last generation Iron one, right? He was, and if he ever got into it, I, he's talked about doing. It. He recently tore his bicep, um, but he's definitely genetically gifted. He he could be the top guy. All right, I don't know that he has a desire to. Gotcha, but, but you know that's what they're looking for: just huge chest, big arms, small waist, you know, good sized legs, nice nice wide back, there that you kind go. of stuff. All right, so we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to get some words from our sponsors, and then we're going to go ahead and move on to the lightning round. You game? Cool. All right, let's do it. What's one thing you use every training session? One thing that if you changed for under $10 would have an immediate effect on your training. For myself and my lifters, that was upgrading to Hand Armor Chalk. Hand Armor, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, is professional-grade stuff. We keep it old school in the gym with their block chalk, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan of their liquid chalk. I use it whenever I'm throwing as a base glare before I tape up my hands, and it's a total game changer. It's completely mess-free, long-lasting, antimicrobial, and most importantly, gives me a great grip for my entire training session. I love this stuff and recommend you give it a try. The block chalk just starts at $3 and the liquid chalk under $7. Plus, if you use code AGENDA at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. HandArmorChalk.com. Go get yours now. All right, so lightning round. These are questions that we've either generated through asking people that you know had questions for us that just have nothing to do with anything. Um, we're going to give you about three questions. First thing that comes to your mind, go ahead and give us an answer, but you have to be able to back up your answer, okay? So in a fight between Spider-Man and Batman, not Superman, Spider-Man, who's winning and why? Spider-Man and Batman. Um, I would say Batman. Okay. And I would say why? Just because of his resources. Okay. Um, Spider-Man's flighty at best, and he always seems to get away from the villain. Um, but Batman, I mean, anybody that's watched the DC universe, you know. And, and I'm more of a Marvel guy, if I'm being honest. Oh, but, I am too. But I, um, I like the, the, the Batman movies with Christian Bale. But if Batman can figure out a way to to beat Superman, then 
I don't really see how he wouldn't figure out a way to beat Spider-Man. Yeah, wasn't it in the comic books he had like an, uh, a book or something like that of how to beat every superhero? Like in case yeah, he had a, he had a contingency plans for the entire Justice League. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he called it something protocol. I forget what it's yeah. called. I mean, in, in, in any of the comic book nerds out there, I'm sure you're oh, yeah, yelling yeah. it out right yeah, now. Yeah, they all are. But it, it's like something protocol. So that I mean, I would I would tend to agree with that. But I was also a Marvel guy too. But I'm pretty sure he could figure it out just as much for the Marvel characters as he did for the DC guys. All right, next question. Uh, this is going to be an easy one for you, but I just want to hear your answer, and I want everybody else to hear your answer. If you're a WWE wrestler, what is your name? What is your walkout song? Oh, my gosh. We were just talking about that in the group. Yes. I yes. honestly – that is a tough one. That's not an easy one at all because that's important to me. Um, Fair enough. I guess for prosperity purposes, um, I could say my name's a Jim Gypsy, but yeah. I don't think that would be my wrestling gimmick. Yeah. I think – when I came up with one, I actually said I wanted to be Dorian Cutler, which yes, is Dorian Gates and, and Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. Or probably some combination of my kids' names, um, either Connor Sawyers or, or um, Sawyer Connors. Yeah, that was I was going to say the, the Dorian Cutler did sound familiar, but the, the Connor Sawyers I think was the one that you had, we ended up voting on in our, in our group chat. Yeah. All right, so what's your walkout song, though? My walkout song? That's even harder. Tom, this is so hard. <laughs> It's such a silly thing. I'm, I'm taking this very seriously. Um, possibly um, Stars by Hum. It's right. like a 90s band. Yeah, yeah. Right when the music kicks in, it's it's just, it's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an old dirt rock kind of guy. Yeah. Like, you know, just that kind of 90s metal grunge weird era yeah. that, that nobody does anymore. Um, or... I might have to to steal my brother's my brother's song because after he showed it to me, I really wanted. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was better. He's it's a song by a band called Whores. Yeah, <laughs> and it's called uh, he's called Baby Bird or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's really 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 it's perfect. Yeah, don't worry about. It. We had somebody and uh, somebody was like uh, talking about they wanted to come out to the Pussycat Dolls. Um, me personally, I'd steal CM Punk's uh, Cult of Personality. Uh, yeah, that is, that is just one of my favorite walkouts. Uh, I know we've talked about it. I'm a fan of Baron Corbin's newer one uh, th- that he switched to. I was I wasn't a fan at first, but now it's growing on me. So yeah, it's growing on me. I know it's the guy from Slipknot. I think that did it. Yeah. my favorite. My fitness is not a question that you're asking no. me, but my favorite. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there Let's and hear. force it on everybody. My favorite um, wrestling theme right now is definitely got to be Aleister Black. Yes. Oh. It's, it's, it's got the, um, it's, I don't know if it's a whole band, but it's at least the lead singer from a band called Incendiary, like Incendiary, but just like a play on words. And it is like, I I work, I listen to it every time I work out. It automatically adds like 50 to 60 pounds to your PR. Nice. I'll have to keep that in mind. Add that to my playlist. All right. Last question. Um, If you, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, we'll do two questions because I got I, I had two pop into my head automatically. This one, if you had to eliminate one state from the United States, like you're looking at a map of the United States and all you got to do is push one like a button and that state is gone off the map, which one are you eliminating and why? So I've kind of got a weird, this is so weird, I, I kind of have a weird theory about Wyoming. <laughs> I don't think it exists. <clears throat> okay. And um, I'm going to find that out now that we're traveling. Yeah. We're going to go to Wyoming and I'm either going to break this conspiracy theory wide open 
or I'm going to have to eat my words, but I'm fairly certain that Wyoming does not exist. I've never met anybody from Wyoming. Um, I don't even really know anybody that's like been to Wyoming or lived there or anything like that. So I don't think it exists. So I'd probably choose that one. So you're Less thinking like, you know? so you're thinking like the University of Wyoming is like they stage it somewhere else, like the stadium, the college, everything. It's like staged in another, another state, and they just say, "Oh, this is Wyoming." Oh, absolutely. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. The other question. I, I I'm I'm more certain of that than I am of Antarctica not being there. Fair enough. I, I'm I'm down with that. I'm down with that. <laughs> also, the Earth is flat. Oh, geez. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> no, you know what? I saw a meme the other day that said if the Earth was flat. Cats would have already pushed everything off the edge. <laughs> That's the strongest argument that I've ever heard <laughs> against it. Oh, that is. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm. I'm reposting that. So, uh, <laughs> I'll try and That's find a, the meme and show it to you. Yeah, there you go. All right, last question. Who's your favorite Power Ranger? And we're talking about like the original five because I know you know the Power Rangers. Yeah, um, we're talking about the original five or the original six. six. We'll go six. We'll go six. We'll add. We'll add my boy in there because. I mean, you know, Jay, Jason Frank is is he's the man. Like he's he's the real guy, right? Yeah. Like, to, I'm sorry, Tommy. Tommy is, yeah. is the name of the show. I'm I'm using his actual yeah. name, but he's kind of a freak show now, from what I hear. Um, but yeah, when the Green Ranger first came in, like I was watching Power Ranger yeah. back then. I'm that's that's that was my you know Go. age area or whatever. Yeah. When Green Ranger yeah. came in. And he had that freaking sword that was also like a flute. A flute. And then the dragon sword with the missiles on his fingers. And, and the main thing was that the that sound that he made whenever he did like the flip kicks. That was the coolest thing. So, you know, as kids, you just mimic that stuff. Oh, so absolutely. you would just walk around at school just going, see, yeah, see, yeah, <laughs> see. I have no idea what it means. There's no relevance to martial arts with it whatsoever. Yeah. But... It made me feel like I was capable of, of killing Rita Repulsa. So, so funny little factoids about that. Um, my nephews watch Power Rangers, um, and my youngest brother, you know, watches it all the way through, and they found a way to incorporate Tommy in almost every additional Power Rangers whatever uh, uh, in, in installment that they came up with. Like I remember as early as like or as late as the two thousands. He was in like the episodes and still yelling like you were just talking about and all that stuff. Like it just kind of amazed me that he just never kind of let that go. And then the other factoid was when uh, CM Punk left the WWE and they asked who he wanted his first opponent to be. He's like, I want to beat the Green Ranger up. And I was, I, I would have paid to see that. You know, CM Punk versus oh, you know Tommy. You want to talk about pay per view buys? Yeah, right. Are you yeah. kidding me? That would have been phenomenal. I was kind of upset Dana White couldn't make that happen. Only if he came out in the costume, though. Yeah, not even he wouldn't even need the costume. Just the the the, the shoulder pads, the the, sh- the shoulder pads in a green robe. Like I would have been okay with that. And the flute, the, the 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 flute dagger. That's funny, man. Yeah, you know, I, I I read somewhere that like those kids got. I say kids, they're old now, but um, they got paid like nothing. Yeah. For that, and like they're all like washed up. Nobody like I think Jason Frank is the only one that did anything and all he did was more power ranger stuff yeah. like all those guys i saw like a where are they now thing it was, it was depressing man yeah uh yeah yeah it's uh one of them's dead now i believe but uh yeah training training was dead oh here's a bit of trivia here's some power ranger trivia for it. you did you know that the power that the yellow ranger was a boy i did not so trini this the american version 
um, Power Rangers was adapted from a from a Japanese yeah, yeah. show, and all of the fight scenes that had all the high, all the high like expensive shots and stuff like that. Yeah, they were they were all just ripped directly from the show, and they did all the shots like in in the cafes and at the school. They reshot those and edited them to make a storyline that that made sense for Americans that worked with those edits. So, and in the Japanese version, the Yellow Ranger was a boy. So all those times that you see when you look at them, and not not to be crude, but if you look at them, there's no breast on that person whatsoever, and they're also not wearing a skirt. So you notice, you know, Kimberly the Pink Ranger is wearing a skirt. So I'm gonna have to, and go, I have, have all, to go back and YouTube that now. Go watch it, and what you'll need to find—I forget the name of it—but it was like, it was like, um, I forget the name of the original thing. But I've, I've got a friend of mine, or shout out to Alice. She's a, a short little Asian girl, and she used to, um, she used to call herself the Pink Ranger. And I called her out. I was like, you know, the Pink Ranger was a boy, and she did not believe me. And we had like this epic long fight about it, and um, and now that's, I, you know, it's kind of a silly joke. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's it's totally true. And when you watch back all those shows, you realize how different the camera, yeah. the lens and everything. It just feels different when you're looking at, yeah, like, yeah. all the fight scenes in Rita. And and none of them seem to, like, they all seem like their lips aren't working right. Yeah. Like, like, you can't understand what they're saying. And then all of a sudden, it's like a completely different, cheaper camera to film all the normal, like, stuff at the quad or wherever it was. Well, there you go. We got all sorts of information packed into this episode. So fans, you are welcome. Justin, for people who want to find you, talk to you, um, inquire about what you do and your services and stuff like that, uh, plug time, where can people get a hold of you? Um, they just go to my website. Uh, it's liftandletlivefit.com, like lifting weights mm-hmm. and let living. Um, liftandletlivefit.com or I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's just my name, at Justin Metz, M-E-T-T-S. And that's um, that's pretty much what I use. All right, good deal. Thank you very much for being on. This was a great episode. I hope uh, everybody enjoys it as much as I did. Um, check him out on Instagram at Justin Metz. He has 14,000 followers like he was telling me. I just Googled it because I wanted to fact check him on that because he's like, I don't have a ton. Um, but he does some great stuff. Um, not only does he post you know, pictures of progress and stuff like that, but he has a lot of great information on just ways to just live a better life. And that's really what it's all about in the end. So, Justin, thank you much, very much for being on here, my man. Thank you, man. I'm excited to have you on my podcast yes. next. Yes. We go to the that's something, you know, didn't talk about it all, yeah. but I'm, I'm, it's going to come full circle. You're going to be – I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you the first – guest on my new podcast since you were the last guest on my old podcast i like it i like it that's just um i'll plug that it's just going to be it's not up yet we're currently recording everything but it'll be i don't know when this is going to be out but um just a jim gypsy podcast is what it'll be under sounds good man can't wait thanks for listening to strength agenda radio be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation access the show notes and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.